Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want to plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to Retire Right with Larry Heller from Heller Wealth Management. Larry, how are you today? I'm doing terrific, Eric. How are you? Getting a little bit nicer out here in New York. How about up by you? Uh, you know, it's cold today, but it's 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 better and it's good to see you. We don't we don't get to do this very often. For those that are frequent listeners to the podcast, we're actually doing video this time, so Larry and I are able to see each other and it's been great. Yeah, and then our audience gets to see us too, Eric. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing if they want to see me or not, but now you know what I look like. It, it might be a little bit scary. Um, today, I know you're talking about five retirement mistakes to avoid, correct? Absolutely. All right. Where do we start with that today? I mean, that's, that's well, a pretty gonna, big topic. Yeah, it's a big topic. And I guess over the years, I've seen a lot of different mistakes and been writing them down. So I thought I would share that with the audience. So hopefully you can avoid some or, or if not all of these mistakes. All right. So mistake number one, not knowing how much you can spend in retirement. We see this all the time. Will I have enough money to last me in retirement is a big question. But when I ask the follow-up question, well, how much are you going to spend in retirement? Well, I don't know. I'm just going to spend how much I think I need. So you, you need to really determine what you think you're going to spend in, in retirement. And let me ask you a question, Eric. What, what do you think people, do you think people actually think they're going to spend more than they can or less than they can? I, I would think that people are when they first start, I would hope that they would think they were going to spend more. And I, I say that because just when people look forward to retirement, I'm assuming they're like, oh, I want to travel, I want to do all this good stuff. And they're assuming they're going to spend a bit more, but then I'm sure they're probably there's some fear there that they don't want to spend too much. Yeah, so they will spend more in the usually in the first 10 years of retirement, because they have more money to spend, but they actually underestimate estimate what they can spend over their lifetime oh, okay. because yeah. they're so fearsome of running out of money. Yeah. So more times when we do analysis, we can say, you know what, you can spend more or in some instances, they can stop working sooner because they don't, they realize, wow, this is really going to work. You don't want to have, you're here for one life. And you don't want to underspend what you think you can over your lifetime. Of course, you don't want to overspend, but we've found people are just more conservative than what they are going to uh, actually can spend. So really determining what you can spend, not only what you can spend, you want to really find out how much of income you're going to get from pension, social security, your investments, what are your expenses? And just like you mentioned, Eric, People retire and they are basing it based upon their previous expenses. But we found the first 10 years pre-pandemic, they're going to travel more. They're going to go out to eat more. So there's more expenses in there. And then you do want to account for inflation. And so there are things you do want to account for, but you want to have a plan. Mm -hmm. What we have seen, there are studies shown that if you actually have a plan, you're more likely to be successful and more likely to be able to sleep better at night. You know, I, everybody, this is tax time of the year, April, and I guess this year now, May. So everybody has to do a tax return. 
how great would it be if everyone would have to do a retirement plan to see exactly how much they can, how much they can spend during their lifetime? Uh, again, I don't think you can put a price on being able to sleep better at night because that's, that's something I would I wouldn't mind purchasing right now, uh, and I'm not even you know pre-retired so or, or retired at this point. Well, yeah, that's actually a very good point. You don't want to wait until you're retired. You want to do this while you're yeah. well before retiring, so you know what that goal is. What is that? Uh, what is that goal that you can achieve so you can spend the money that you want to in your current lifestyle? Most people don't jump into different lifestyles in retirement, but they want to maintain their current life lifestyle and they want to enjoy. So knowing what they need to do, what they need to save in the pre-retirement, just as important is what they're going to spend in the retirement years. Yeah, absolutely. What's another thing that you see that, that uh, another mistake that people make? So once they retire and they look at their investments, now they know they have to take some money out of their investments. So for the most part, people want an income only strategy instead of a total return strategy. They're looking for a fixed rate of return with no risk so they can live off the money, their income money that they're getting. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know about you, Eric, but right now you can't get very much return on any fixed rate investments out there. Ten-year treasuries are hovering less than 2%. So where are you going to get any fixed rate of return? And what are some of the downsides of just only going to a fixed rate of return? People don't understand the risks. So I'll give you a couple of examples, Eric. We've got somebody who's talking to us and that all they have is a few high dividend paying stocks, um, your GEs, your Verizon, your AT&T out there. So actually not GE anymore, but your Verizon, your AT&T stocks out there. And they think, well, this is great. I'm getting a high dividend, sometimes six, 7%, but I don't really care how the stock performs because if I, as long as I get my dividend, I'm going to be fine over the years. But what they don't realize is that these stocks, because you only have a few of them, there's more risk mm -hmm. and that they could cut the dividend just like GE did. And that there is a lot of exposure there, not just looking at the dividend that you're getting, you've got to look at the risk that's involved. So that's one investment that, that people look at and sometimes uh, underestimate some of the risk. The other is bonds. Really understanding how a bond works, I find for a lot of people is very difficult. They may The bond may have a coupon and a lot of bonds have a 5% coupon rate. So they think they're getting 5% and don't understand that they're paying a premium for this. They're paying more than what the bond will mature at. And so they lose the premium from the time they purchase it to maturity. So their total rate of return is very low. Hmm. So you have to understand what that means and not just the income, because at the end of that maturity, your return is going to be 1% these days on tax-free bonds on wow. a 10 plus year bond, even though you've gotten the income up front. That's one risk. The other risk is duration risk. You know, People are buying longer bonds to get a little bit higher rate of return. And if we do go through a higher interest rate environment, they could be stuck with some of those bonds when interest rates do increase. And finally, bonds, just like stocks, there are risk in the type of bonds that you have. 
Uh, depending upon the quality of the risk, there are, there are high yield risks, there are emerging bond yields, there are treasuries, there are corporates, knowing the risk in those bonds. And on top of that, a lot of people buy these bonds in a in a mutual fund or an ETF. And there are risks in there because other people are buying and selling, which have an impact on the price of the mutual fund. So there's a lot of risks in, in some of these investments. And finally, annuities. I'm not gonna go through the annuities, but a lot of people buy these annuities because they think they're getting a certain rate of return and that doesn't always turn out to be the, be the case. Hmm. Understanding and creating, not just looking at an income strategy, but you want to look at it, what we call a total return strategy, where you have your short-term money in cash, your intermediate-term money in, in bonds, and you do have a longer-term money in equities to account for growth because you do are going to live for a longer period of time, most likely, and you do need the growth to keep up with inflation and to get some higher rates of return. So we're going to do a future podcast on, we just about finishing, Eric, our the Hello Wealth Reservoir Investment Strategy, which will really dive deeper into creating a total return strategy and how we think that works so much better than an income only strategy. Did you say the Heller Wealth Reservoir Investment Strategy? That's correct. Oh, all right. So are we going to do a podcast about that? Because this is the first I'm hearing it. Yes, we are going to do a podcast. We're just finalizing that. So uh, in the Fantastic. next month or two, we will do a podcast on that. That'll be fun. All right. Love that. All right. So what's another mistake to avoid? So I was just talking about living longer and equities in your portfolio. And you want to, what we see a lot of times is people in retirement have too conservative of an investment portfolio. I don't care how much money you have, when you stop working and that spigot is turned off, people get really nervous when mm -hmm. we have market corrections. And we've seen some big market corrections in the last 10, 20 years, 2000, 2008, oh, the month of March in 2020. Mm -hmm. And people get nervous. So therefore they think, okay, I've got to have a more conservative portfolio. You know, in the past, I don't know how long ago the, the rule of thumb was you take a hundred and you subtract your age and that's how much you should have in equities. Well, that's changed a lot because people are living longer. Somebody actually pointed out to me the new number, you should take 120, subtract your age, and that is wow. how much you should be in equities. But everybody is, everybody is different. And how much you should have in equities and how much you should have in cash and bonds is different for, every, for everybody. Putting together too conservative a portfolio with such a low interest rate environment, you run the risk of running out of money and you've got to account for some longevity. How long are you going to live? So people are living longer. You know, some people plan on too short of a retirement span, others plan on too long. What is the right amount and where should you? should you plan? We've had clients that have told us, um, I'm not, my, not in great health. I'm not going to live past 85. I want to enjoy and make sure I have enough money. Well, lo and behold, one of them now is 87. The other one's about to be 85. And luckily we put a plan together and they're going to be fine. Hmm. So you, you just, you just never know. On the flip side, 
there, you can plan for age 95 or age 100, and maybe you don't live that that long. Well, we have some clients that are healthy and they are convinced they're both going to live to age 100, and that's what they want to plan for. We've had a client, a male client, who was playing tennis up until he was age 95. Mm. So you do want to take into that into consideration. Michael Kitsis did a study on joint life expectancies for a married couple that are 65. And the odds are pretty high that one of them will live to 89, 50% chance that if you're both 65, one of the two of you will live to 89. That's a pretty nice number. However, the odds dramatically decrease when we look at age 95 from 50% to 18%. You do want to take into consideration and plan for longevity and what the longevity you're comfortable with is something to discuss and decide, but you can't have your portfolio set up too conservative. You know, if you're age 65, we just said the odds are one of you are going to live 50%. And that's another 23 years, Eric. If you're now 23 years away from retirement, you're going to invest more aggressively and put some money in growth investments, such as the stock market. You need to do the same thing in retirement. And if you put your portfolios in different reservoirs now, short-term, medium-term, long-term, and you understand that that long-term reservoir, even if it's 10 years, that long-term reservoir needs to have some growth because you're going to have a couple of 10 years, hopefully a couple of 10 years in retirement. So don't be too conservative with your investment portfolio. You you, you mentioned that age 95, it's still at 18%. That's about one in five, right? That's about one in five people that are, that are, possibly living out of that couple that you were speaking of. That's still very, very interesting to me, you know, not to be too conservative at the same time. It's kind of like a death pool right? in a morbid way. You're trying to figure out how long you're going to live. Um, And I know that this is the planning that you do with your, with your clients. How do you balance that Larry with, with, you know, helping them to enjoy their retirement, be able to spend the money on their grandkids or themselves or great grandkids at that point. How, how do you help them distill what they should be doing? Retirement planning is not a science. It's an art. And what I mean by that is there is so many different factors that we talked about, especially a rate of return. Yeah. What rate of return do you go with when you're putting a retirement plan together? And how much are you going to spend? We actually did an analysis yesterday for clients that are getting close to retirement. We were showing them a $20,000 difference in expenses each year over 30 years is the, is the difference between running out of money and having a few having over a million dollars left at retirement. Wow. Putting up a plan together longevity between 90 and 100 can change things. So you have to every client is a little bit different in their comfort levels. We show them all different scenarios mm-hmm. and come up in tandem together what is going to be something that they can live with. Of course, if there's something there that's way out of whack and they're asking to show a 
historical 12% rate of return when we know mm-hmm. that's not prudent, we'll kind of go through that. But going back and forth to really getting to that amount and what they think that they could spend and what they can sleep at night with so they can enjoy their life as much as they can without with a lower probability of running out of money. It's not just running out of money. It's also how much money they want to leave to their heirs. Mm-hmm. Some people want to leave everything that they've accumulated and now and leave the same thing. Others want to spend some of the principal. So everybody is different and we have some great planning tools to run this analysis. And when we do, it's great now. They can say, well, what about this? And on the fly, we can change it. Not to date myself, Eric, but when we first started, we actually had to re-put that into a computer and wait a week for an answer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> were you feeding the squirrels inside that computer? I mean, I mean wow. Yeah. So, now you can do so, it a little bit quicker than that. huh? Yeah. That's a little bit quicker. So those were the, uh, the beginning stages of financial planning. Oh, that's fantastic. Hey, would, you, you had that hammer and chisel right there on your desk and you, <laughs> I'm kidding. Exactly. What do you mean you want to see it a little bit differently? <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Any other uh, thoughts on that mistake? Or are we moving on to the next one? Well, let's move on to, uh, to mistake. Mistake number four. And then it's mistake right. number four, we're just going to touch upon this because this is a whole nother ball of wax. All right. And that's really not optimizing your social security. Taking your social security too early, not coordinating the social security with your spouse's co- spouse's social security for optimizing. There's a lot of different strategies for married couples still. Mm. And not accounting for one spouse's premature death because when a spouse dies, they lose one of the two social securities. They're going to mm-hmm. lose the lower of the two social securities. The yeah. higher one will stay in place. You want to account for that. Maybe there are ways and some strategies to increase the higher earning social security. If you go to our website, hellowealthmanagement.com, we have a great report on there that you can download on social security claiming guide or listen to, we did a web, webinar on the social security, so you can listen to the, the webinar. And we've also done a couple of podcasts on social security, Eric. So th- that's a whole separate game plan. And But making the wrong decision could impact your retirement and how much you can receive over your lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that you mentioned on one of those previous podcasts, which I'm not trying to open a can of worms here, but when one of the spouses passes away that following year, the remaining spouse is filing a single. Right. So that also does different things to their taxes when it comes to what their, uh, you know, what their tax structure is. So I, there's so many things to take into consideration. I know that that's some of the questions you answer with the help of your team, uh, you know, for for your clients, for sure. Yes, we'll, we'll get into that and we'll, we'll put the Social Security. And again, with software, we can run all the different optimizations. There are different strategies for different people, depending upon how, how old one spouse is. If they've got a much younger spouse, it's different than if the two spouses are the same. It's also much different if both spouses made the same amount of money and going to receive similar Social Security versus one spouse making much more than the other spouse, health reasons come into play. There are Mm -hmm. so many different factors in that. And I'm just amazed how many people want to take social security as soon as they can, because they think it's free money that they're going to get. And they've paid in for all their lives and they want to get the money out as soon as possible. And they don't take the time to do the analysis. And it's so critical that you do so. Absolutely. Well, 
this podcast really is the five retirement mistakes. And now we're on number five. So what is that, Larry? Yeah, number five. So not having a will, a power of attorney, a healthcare mm. proxy, having the wrong beneficiary's name, having your assets titled incorrectly. So many things that are done that we see with a lot of times clients' parents because the clients are afraid to get involved with their mm -hmm. parents. Mm -hmm. And then when their parents pass away, it, it, is, just a, it is just a big mess. Yeah. And the more that you can have all the documents in place, the easier it's going to be for your heirs and also that it's going to be done correctly. We just had a situation where the uh, parent had passed passed away and his wishes in his will was to have the money go, part of the money to one child into a special needs trust. But what he did was he named his large taxable account joint. So mm. that account now doesn't pass into the special needs trust. It's going to go directly to his two kids, one of which is a special needs trust. And that's not the way he wanted it to happen. And there's nothing you can do about that. Mm. Making sure that your assets are titled, making sure that the healthcare proxy is in place so you don't have to run around if, if somebody gets hurt or a power of attorney is in place in case you're too, too ill or too sick to pay your bills. You want your children to be there helping you. You don't want health-wise, you don't want them to have to try at this point figuring out how they can go in and pay your, pay your bills. Mm -hmm. And there's so much more in the estate planning that I can go through. Beneficiaries, Eric, we've seen beneficiaries when we reviewed them where a kid is missing. They they had oh. a third kid and they never updated their beneficiaries. Oh, no. Even though yeah. the will was updated, their kid it was was miss, was missing. And we haven't seen this, but we've heard stories out there, believe it or not, where the beneficiary names a ex-wife as there. So again, oh even if you have this great will, the beneficiaries on a qualified account trump that. And you want to have certain pl planning in, in place possibly to make it much, much, much organized later in your life in your retirement. So even though that's not a retirement plan mistake, calling it a mistake in retirement, yeah. because it is towards a later part of your life where you could just make life so much easier for the next generation. Yeah, absolutely. All right. These, these are five great points. What else do you have for us today? What are your closing thoughts? So let's just go, let's just recap the, the five thoughts. Not All knowing right. how much you can spend in retirement is mistake number one. Creating an income only strategy instead of a total return strategy. Number three is having too conservative too conservative of an investment portfolio. Mistake four is not optimizing your social security. And mistake five is not having your correct estate planning documents and accounts set up the way you want. And, and Eric, these are just five of the mistakes I've seen. There are more, but I thought these were very critical for most people to, to know and to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they won't make their, their mistakes in their retirement planning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and one of the things I want the listener to understand, if you're new to the podcast, you, you've got to understand that when Larry's talking about all these things, we're talking, you know, he's talking about the planning, he's talking about, you know, getting things set up. It is not a quote unquote, set it and forget it situation. 
Larry and his team, they review, I, I don't know, a semi-annual basis. I'm sure each client is a little bit different or annual basis. You guys are reviewing these things to make sure the plans that you're putting in place are on track because life events happen. Like you said, you know, somebody could have another grandkid. Well, now you got to update some documents or, you know, or they're going to spend a little bit more money on a new grandkid. So that's going to change the financial picture for them for the long term. And I know you work very, very closely uh, with your clients. How do you handle those life events? You, is it just in an annual meeting or are you asking people to to reach out when things like that happen. Yes, as life changes, you need to update and to review your 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 plan. And it's a combination of everything. We've gotten calls from clients that are down south and they're about to buy a second home and we had put in a plan for a certain amount of money and they found a place higher and they wanted Larry, let's can we can you rerun the numbers just to make sure that this is going to be be okay. And of course, we do do an annual review and go through all the numbers to see if anything has changed. But there are life events that pop up and there are things that people change. They decide they want to sell their house and move somebody else. Like I said, buy a second home, take a, a big trip, unfortunately get sick. So there are different things out there that are going to warrant updating the plan and it should be done on an ongoing basis. And plus also the, the laws change. We, we've seen a numerous amount of changes in the tax law with the SECURE Act going through and you're going to see income taxes change. So as things change in the world, you need to go out and update your plan. And the more you can work with either somebody like us or, or a financial planner that does this, organize, minimize, you will be able to eliminate a lot of these mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. So if somebody's listening and they want to reach out to you, Larry, how, what's the best way to get a hold of you and your team? So the best way, like I mentioned before, is go to our website, hellowealthmanagement.com. You can get a lot of information there. You can see podcasts, webinars, mm -hmm. guides, but you can also right there, click on and schedule a free consultation with either myself or one of our staff members to discuss your retirement planning. That's fantastic. Larry, thank you so much for your time today. Always a pleasure. Uh, great, Eric. Great to see you for the first yeah. time on this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Larry comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This also makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, for everyone at Heller Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you, to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.